Welcome to the show. I am your host, the Afro Boy, Prince of Unity. And we got another one in store for you. Uh, the verse history inside of black culture. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this tells you a lot about how historical facts are educated, especially here in the world and even in North America, in the U.S. where I'm actually from. And the crazy thing about it, the more I dig, like every second, like even though, you know, the show isn't going to be that long, I'm probably going to have to make their own individual shows when we get into it because there's so much that you don't know. It's the truth. It's so much that you don't know to change the outlook of how you'll see your people. Uh, first thing I want to do is shout out our sponsors. Thank you, Anger, for being a sponsor for the show. You have been so uh, gracious to us. Platform is very easy to use. You know, it's one click base. You put your thumbnail in there, you put your logo in there. They just distribute the show out to Apple, Spotify, which is how everybody else listens to me. Thank you for everyone who does listen to me. Um, and then our two partners. We have two new partners. Uh, if you are looking into getting into branding, logos, anything from fashion to doing podcasts like me to being an influencer and so on, um, you can go to taylorbrands.com. I will drop my link on the description. But you go to taylorbrands.com and because you are my following, you listen to my show, you use this promo code AFROBOY20. That is AFROBOY20 uh, during checkout and you will get a good little discount. You know, it's a thank you for me. Um, also, if you are into wine, if you just want, you know, you one of those nightcappers, if you're trying to do something nice for your lady or your partner, you know, or your partner, you can go to BoxTWine, BoxTWine.com, and you can enter the promo code AFROBOY20, and it will give you a discount on a great bottle of wine that you can enjoy from home. So those are our partners for the show. Those are our sponsors, but let's get into it. Um, the first people I want to get into are the Gullahs, because there are three. So there are Gullah Geechee from South Carolina, North Carolina, because there's actual, we actually have a national heritage um, site, center, ground, or settlement for us of African-descended group that, that's actually recognized, um, which is the Gullah Geechee uh, Heritage Site. Um, Gullahs range from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and there's one more. I forgot the, the, the fourth one, but there is one more area. And then you have uh, Seminoles, Black Seminoles, to be more specific, because Seminoles is an actual native group. Do not do not get this mixed correct. Seminoles is an actual native group, but what ended up happening, which we'll get into that in a later date, is that they merged with the enslaved um, Africans. I like to use the term Africans because that gives us back a title. That gives us back a, a place of being, a person before. Um, I don't like to use all my ancestors as slaves. No. My ancestors were Africans who got forcefully took away from the motherland and put in shackles. But they were a people prior to. Um, and the last one, we're actually going to talk about Black Creoles. Creoles is the same as Seminoles. Creoles is an actual group. This is uh, a makeup of a lot of mixed bloodlines in so many words. Literally, uh, Creoles are their actual own people. It's a language. Not only is it actual people, it is a language. 
um, but they are mixed up of French Spaniards, so a lot like Puerto Ricans. That's why I always like to bring them up whenever I mention, uh, you know, Creoles to give you more of a basis. So French, Dutch, Spaniards, um, Indians, so the natives, Cherokee, and um, five civilized tribes, and uh, even some, probably even some Seminoles, um, and enslaved Africans, so blacks. Blacks. It's all mixed up in their bloodlines. Um, but we're going to talk about how they benefit us because if you want to get technical, all three of these groups are African Americans. So there are black Creole people who will be under the umbrella of an African American because of what? They're from the state of Louisiana. You have Seminoles who merged with Gullah people. Uh, in the Gullah Wars and the Seminole Wars in the 1930s to all the way up to the time of freedom. And the time of freedom for us is as uh the North Americans or North African Americans to be specific, which is in 1968. They, they were literally fighting all the way up until the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, which is why I say all these groups are technically the same people, but they are not. So let's get into it. Um, Gullah roots, right? So, Gullahs are said to be descendants of West African countries, same as all the other African Americans, uh, but they like to be more Pacific. Like, they do research, even whittle down um, their descendancy. All right, we have someone who talking about China. But let's get back into it. So Gullah is said to be descendants of Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone is a uh, Pacific West African country, and I'll get into why that is relevant. That is relevant because Sierra Leone has a town or village or state inside of their country that is a free town, a free town. Um, so... In 1988, President Joseph Mom, Mambo Boynt, uh Bonis Island, the largest British slave port in Sierra Leone, they merged together to bring back and create Freetown. So there was a correlation between the president of an African country and um, us who are of African descent. Sort of like the first homecoming, right? Um, it's sort of like the, the first remake of uh, the, the year of return, right, with, with Ghana. Shout out to Ghana. I love Ghanaians. You guys are awesome. Uh, one of my favorite African artists, which is Stoneboy, he's Ghanaian. Um, but just to give you a little insight on, you know, Sierra Leone and, and those places, it was actually one of the largest, which is Boynts Island, which is one of the largest British slave ports in Sierra Leone between 1917 and 1807. English... The English abolished slave slavery during that time, uh, but a lot of, but the necessity, which is why I say, you know, you have to do research on where soul food came from and where your food and artifacts came from. There's always correlations because um, it was the Gold Coast of Rice, which is why they call a Gullah Creole or like the their island was the the end-all, be-all of where you got all your rice from. 
So they imported it, and that's why you have some of these slaves there at the time. Um, one of the cultural aspects of the Gullah people or Gigi people is this. They did basket making um, where they would weave sweet grass. Because I would hear about sweet grass all the time, but I never really, really knew what it was. Why did everybody talk about sweet grass? You know, it's one of them terms that you just hear around, especially like if any of your parents are from the South, you hear about sweet grass. Uh, but that is what actually Africans use um, to make their baskets. They weave baskets, and the Gullah people kept up this tradition. So I'm going to go down as far as the connections that we have as a people, along with the connections that we have to African-descended people, connections to the motherland. And a lot of the Gullah's language is actually spoken in Sierra Leone and uh, West Africa. Because they actually do speak Creole. Like they speak Creole in West Africa. In 1719, 1792, I'm going to bring up some dates. In 1792, uh, Freetown was created because a group of enslaved Africans made it back to Africa. Um, one of the things, once they made it back to this portion of the land, which is now we know as Sierra Leone, and founded Freetown, was they created a four-bay college
20, 30, hundreds of thousands of different bands, I don't like to say small, different bands of nations who were against slavery, okay? Seminoles are one of them. And they were devised of, of free creeks and even um, Cherokees. So like I said, even if you know some of these names, um, just like in the town of, of, of Tulsa, we'll get into that in, in a minute. Um, but they were basically, they were created out of a band of aboriginals and maroons, natives. Aboriginals will be, be natives and maroons. Uh, who Africans, actually the ideals blended together and they never knew. So you got a group of people on the native side who viewed the, the white man or the colonizer at this time as a person who is inflicting on their way of life. And they realized that the African man, the enslaved black man, the enslaved African man, it's not the one that is doing this. It is the colonizer, to use a better term. Um, so now I make this more urgent, but to use a better term. Um, colonizers at this time, like, oh, they're infringing on our lands, and these are just captives. The the dark people are just captives. So we want to live, and the, the crazy thing is they both want freedom, right? The natives want to be free on their land, doing what they've been doing for thousands of years. And the enslaved African man, the enslaved black man, wants to be free in general. And it's crazy. Um, one of the heroes of the Seminole Wars is Black Seminole by the name of John Horace. He actually created the largest haven for runaways and secured one of probably the first version or legal version of Emancipation Proclamation, right? He ran one of the largest slave revolts in history. But because of the way this is worded and who puts what in a historical context, you probably wouldn't hear about it. You always hear about Nate Turner uh, and you know, RP and honor to, to Nate for doing that. But there were other slave revolts in North America. Um, in the 1900s, the Seminoles and the enslaved Africans escaped the colonists and actually fled to Spanish Florida. So like the things that I started to learn is crazy. I was like, wait a minute. Not only, because we'll get into the Creole, who were in the state of Louisiana, was owned by the Spanish, Spaniards. Owned by the Spanish and Spaniards at one point. And Florida was owned and run by the Spaniards and Spanish at one point. But John Horace, Black Seminoles, Runaways, Maroon Connies, all ran towards Spanish Florida because they promised them freedom. They said, you will remain free as long as you defend this land for the crown. Because who owns what? Whoever owns what? I want my land to stay in my land at this point in time. So, hey, Spaniards are like, you come fight for me? You keep your freedom. You do what you want. Just don't let 
my adversary at the moment, which would probably be the British and Dutch and the French and so forth, anyone who was not part of the Spaniard kingdom, into my land. And, you know, black folks are like, oh, okay. All right. I don't like them no way because them Pacific people are the ones that's chasing me down. And so, yeah, cool. I'll do that. Sounds familiar, right? I promise you this. You fight this war. We'll give you freedom or we'll keep you, you know, so forth and so on. Like always, right? So, yes, Spanish Florida promised the enslaved Africans freedom to defend the land for the crown, right? The first free legal settlement was a free town in Florida outside of the Evergreens, right? Now, the adversaries in, in George Washington's administration during this time, because remember, the founders of America, wrote the constitutions and all those things, did not free slaves, right? It wasn't up until you hear about Abraham Lincoln, who some would even say that this was more of an economical move versus a moral move to free the slaves in 1863, to be specific. But during this time, the George Washington's administration, George Washington's era, Andrew Jackson's era, we'll get into him. That was a big problem for them because you have a settlement that is not like they're literally, we are free down here in Florida. This is our, our land. We run this. We do all, we're free. You know how many blacks will run down there? Because the story that was always told to us, because I'm young, I'm in my 20s. The stories that were always told to us that um, none of our ancestors ran south because the south was where slavery was upheld and all of the atrocities, right? They all ran north. They always say, follow, uh, follow the northern star um, to freedom. And that was actually in correlation with following follow the northern star to Canada. That's, that's really what that meant, following the northern star to Canada, because Canada uh, was one of the other places uh, who abolished or didn't allow slavery at all. But as you can see, uh, George Washington's administration said that this is a problem. We need to handle this. So at the time, who later becomes president, Andrew Jackson, which was a general, was chasing slaves down, all the way down through Texas and so forth, right? Ironically enough, he says, I'm going to take up the task, right? So after he becomes President Jackson, he starts the second Seminole War because they renege on, they're like, oh, no, we, this is the South. We, we're not doing this. This is the South. We own y'all. There is no you going free. But at this time, between 1935 and 1943, at this point, you have just the Seminole Nation. Because at that point, they're pretty much merged together. You probably got kids rolling around, chiefs and married um, African women, as I prefer to call, call us what I believe we are, um, outside of being... Um, shared owners to this land, because when you merge a tribe together, let me say this, when you merge a tribe together, we do become one. 
So if you are native, you do have rights to this land. But if you are also black, you have rights to the motherland. You have birthrights to that land. So it's funny. It's funny being um, for those that have native blood. Because even my grandmother says we have native blood. It's like having two homes. Uh, you know, you have the father, which is this place, North America. And you have the mother, uh, which would be Africa, for those of us who are African descent. Uh, but in April 1836, Blacks and Nose and Indians, Indian allies, so native allies, started the largest slave rebellion. So this is the third Seminole War, led by O. o Lassie and the Black Seminole John Horse, 1938. They made the U.S. government succeed. They made them back down. It comes to term into a treaty. In exchange to stop the fighting, because, you know, you have colonizers who are dying so often. Stop the fighting in exchange for Indian territory. And the Indian territory becomes Oklahoma. Is it starting to blend together? Why we blend together? It becomes Oklahoma. And they fight for recognition of legal freedom. For the, the ones who are so-called the enslaved Africans, right? We say no. They band with us outside of the Indian territory. We also want you to legally promise freedom for those who uh, are here on our settlement. We get we want them to have freedom because at this point, the goals become the same because they become one nation. But of course, like always, um, the government at this time reneges, and they still want their slaves. They say, "No, 1848." They're like, "No, we, we, you can't legally do that. We don't care what the treaties or documents say. Them are slaves. I don't care if he was 20 when he came down there. He's 35 now. He still belongs to me. That's how they viewed this, uh, which is sad, sad to say." And the crazy thing was, which is why a lot of people don't know deep about history, is that before 18, 1863, where freedom was in North America, slavery was abolished in Mexico. So what did they do? They say, okay, fine. Y'all want to renege on the deal? We're going to fight you on our way to freedom, but we're going to Mexico, where they actually found it. A town, and while the Texans were chasing, trying to get their so-called slaves or bounties back, because there were bounties on all the slaves' heads, you get uh, money to, for returning other people's slaves. Um, once you made it to the Mexican border, you initially got freedom, which is why I, I view Mexico as a whole completely different. I view Mexico as a whole completely differently, especially now learning what I learned, because there actually is a Seminole settlement in Mexico. But John Horace became um, a great Mexican general inside of that. And the last aspect, the last group of people I want to talk about are the Black Creoles. Black Creoles. Uh, there's a book by uh, Maurice M. Martinez, who is a black Creole, uh, he basically goes, you know, 
too white to be black, too black to be white. Because again, Creoles by definition are what a mixed population of people who are actually supposed to be classified as the free people of color. So yes, there was there was segregation during this time because now we're going into more of the 18th century, 1800, 19th century, 1900s, to where you have you know Jim Crow segregation and how he deals with that. He goes from a more internal family aspect how he deals with that being a black Creole in this world. And they had so many classifications and, and stereotypes for who was white and who was black to where the point to where you had to choose. Now they have a term called a, a Passa, I think it was Passa Blanc, Passa Blanca or passing for white, basically, right? They would have, of course, we, we know about this historically just being black, but the comb test, one of these, uh, there were a few other tests that they would put into, like the one drop rule and so forth, that says that if they can comb through your hair without hitting a nap, without stopping it straight, you could be considered white. You could be considered Creole, passing for white, but if they hit a nap in that comb, you are black, right? So that goes into um, the racist ideals and the corruptions and really what humanity was supposed to be. You know, and it's, it's crazy how you hear about these stories. And he talks about, you know, being a black Creole in a world where you can't just be you. You can't just be Creole because they're so... Um, and depth and what I look like during this time versus who I am as a person. And I know because of family members, because Creole is a very mixed group. You really do have family members who will look white, but they are or do have um, Negro or African descendant blood. They have African blood. He tells a story to where he goes to a family member's funeral and he looks and sees his cousins. These are his actual cousins who are all Creole, but um, they walk in the world as white. And sadly, it's, it's very weird. Like, imagine seeing your cousin. You know this is your cousin. They're getting hired for banks because these are the freed people. There was a difference in Louisiana. There were freed people and there were enslaved people, or formerly enslaved people. The freed people of color had, you know, say jobs. And, and to be honest, if you want me to be frank, how the racist society looked probably at the freed people of color, those were the good Negroes. That's, that's all it was. Those were the good Negroes. Those were the ones who, um, how the racists viewed. They weren't gonna cause no problems. They weren't as dark, so maybe they they not as as, as evil. It's a racism um, ideals, you know, racism ideals. Um, but the funny thing was in Louisiana, there were ways that you could actually become free. You could be let free by your former disabled, or you could be born free because to be Creole that means that you have a French descendant, the the uh, Dutch descendant, a white person that your mother or father mainly father, because, you know, at this time, women did not have power. The men had power. So the father, the 
father can say, no, he's born free um, and documentation of freedom. Now, don't get this wrong. The free people of color had issues because they always had to prove that they were free. They always had to announce their freedom. They always get ledgers and documentation. Um, but they had Spanish rule. And during Spanish rule, over 1,400 actually bought their freedom. So the funny thing about this is that while all these people on land who have historically wrong and tragic involvement in the Atlantic slave trade, under Spanish rule, they, in some stance, actually honored that. Yeah, you, you can actually buy your freedom for the most part versus, you know, all the other uh, European ethnic groups, European groups, who just like, no, we don't, we don't abide by that for the most part. Um, especially during the Reconstruction era, which is 1960 to 1860 to 1877. In, 18, in the 1860s, um, Louisiana was actually a thriving place. I'm going to close it up with this. Um, there were 19 elective sheriffs in the state of Louisiana. There were governors. There were thriving people. Even though they had, you know, ethnic categories in the census from mulatto, um, whole words like quadroon and so forth. Um, in a weird way, there was progression in the state of Louisiana. So um, as to go, I'm your host, the Afro boy, Prince of Unity. So I advise you to look up these groups, Gullahs, Geechee Gullahs, the Seminoles, Black Seminoles, and Black Creoles. There's just so much that you don't know. So much that you don't know. Um, but I'm your host, the Afro Boy, Prince of Unity, where we talk about Afro culture, financial literacy, and controversy. And I will holler at y'all later.